One of the things that I realize is that the family is not oriented towards itself, that um, the family by itself, it's not enough for itself. Okay. Um, you know, I have, so I have five kids, I have four daughters. Presumably some of them are going to get married someday. Well, I have a, that means I have a vested interest in making sure that they're the community that I'm growing and raising these children in is also going to be providing eligible men to marry them, right? <laughs> I can't just sit here and like, kind of hide within my family and try to like do all things well here because that's not enough. Welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. My name is Dan Dimite, and I'm joined here today with uh, the creators of the Catholic Man Show. This is a pretty big deal. We have Adam and David here today. Uh, hello, guys. Thanks so much for coming. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. We're, we're yeah, excited hey, to be here. Yeah, so uh, this is the show where Encounter Meets Mission. If you're joining us for the first time, the, the reason we're called Beyond Damascus is because it's so important that after you have that Damascus experience, like Paul had his conversion on the road to Damascus, you do something with it, right? That Paul, he didn't become like a couch potato after encountering the living God. Instead, he became a missionary to the nations. And so often we can fall prey to kind of living this Christian life that's a little bit more of a consumeristic Christianity than a missionary Christianity, right? And uh, I, I'm sure you guys can identify even as that of content creators in the Catholic Church right now. We have so many content creators. We have Beyond Damascus podcasts, the Catholic Band Show, all these other podcasts and uh, just blogs and resources, resources, resources as possible that we actually are constantly inundated with the faith, but we're never actively living the faith. And that's our goal is to really talk about how do we mobilize ourselves? How do we mobilize men onto mission? So we're going to open a prayer, and then we'll dive in here from Adam and David today. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Good and gracious God, we worship you. We adore you. We love you. Lord, you are the creator of heaven and earth, that all things come through you and all things are held in existence by you. You are all-powerful. You are all-knowing. You are good. You are loving. Lord, we just want to honor you for your power this, this morning. I, I just honor you for the, the power that you bring into this world. I thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of divine power that you have poured out into us. We pray, Lord, that you would allow us to encounter you during this episode, that our uh, life would be filled with grace and that we'd be mobilized to serve you through the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus's name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Awesome, guys. So why don't you, as, as we start off, I'd like to first just kind of What's your what's your encounter story, right? And clearly an encounter story could like take the whole episode. But since we have both of you guys, why don't you just share like how did you fall in love with Jesus? Uh, and, and how did he stir in you that desire to give your life over to mission? Yeah, I mean, I think Dave and I have a, a very similar story. Uh, we both have parents that were more fit for heaven than for on earth. Uh, they gave us the Catholic faith. You know, they they raised us in the parish. They raised us uh, in the small faith groups. They were actively uh, participating in our in the parish life all growing up. We went to Catholic high school together. Uh, we lived across, like we lived in the same neighborhood together growing up. So we our our parents were best friends. Uh, so you know, they gave us the gift of good friends, which is very very important. You know, especially as you uh, grow in your spiritual life. Uh, and so we went to high school together. Uh, we went to college and we had very similar stories, right? So we never missed mass before, except for maybe once or twice when you were sick and your dad just wouldn't, you know, it's like, fine, you can't, you don't have to go. Uh, one time it, it was so, it's snowing so bad that my dad was pushing the car trying to get to <laughs> Holy Mass. And my wife, uh, my, my mom just finally said like, you know, Tim, I don't think we can get to mass today. That story is funnier if you know his dad. 
Because yes. he's just a, <laughs> he's a huge dude who's like, you know what? The car can't drive, but I'll push it. I'll push it. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> and, we, and if that doesn't work, you can just climb on my back and I'll right, carry exactly. the whole family no, through the snow. I, I'm going to shot put you guys to, yeah. to the parish. <laughs> yeah. um, but but no, so we never missed mass growing up. Uh, week one, we, we, we both went to, we went to mass uh, in college. Week two, we did not. And it was like the first time. Uh, and then we, th- and we felt pretty guilty about it. You know, you felt uh, a little ashamed. you like, your conscience was kind of stern in you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> then week, week, week three, uh, didn't go and, uh, had like, it's amazing. I had this tradition, this ritual that my family had given me. And within three weeks, I completely threw it away. Uh, and so anyway, so uh, we went through this whole uh, worshiping me, myself, and I instead of uh, the, the Holy Trinity for, for about four years. And then we moved in together after college because we were both broke. Couldn't, we couldn't uh, afford any, any place by ourselves. So we were like, let's, you know, let's, let's live together. It was then we, we actually found Catholic Radio. We started pushing ourselves uh, to learn more about the faith and, and have a, a true sense of identity within the Catholic faith. You know, like... The, the Catholic faith is part of our DNA. You know, it's like we live Catholic. This is who uh, we are. We're, we're sons of God. Uh, and so as we were doing that, we were, we were, we were pushing each other with apologetics, with evangelization. Um, and then like we started, you know, getting back into the state of grace and going to Holy Mass and, you know, doing all these things that, you know, every Catholic should be doing, every person should be doing. Uh, and then we accidentally started a Catholic radio station here in Tulsa which started a Catholic, uh, you know, a Catholic podcast in 2016 called the Catholic man show. Uh, and things kind of just snowballed from there. So, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I think it is very interesting, especially like, so Damascus, we work with just thousands and thousands of young people and that, uh, that first Sunday, or I guess in your experience, that second Sunday at college is so critical, right? Like, am I going to step into this faith of my parents or not? And and have I had that personal encounter with Jesus Christ that has linked me to the Eucharist that I can't live without the bread of life? And so the, uh, that, that, that is wild. Did you guys, when you were, um, post college, like how did you stumble upon Catholic radio? Usually guys aren't like chiming into like AM Catholic radio on their drive. So what, what was that? What was that process? You know, I think we, we literally just kind of stumbled upon it. Mm-hmm. We were uh, living together and, you know, like uh, when I look back on it, really our story, my story and his story is kind of like our story because even though uh, we went to separate colleges, you know, the timeline of things, the, like, the choices we made, they just mirrored each other um, almost identically. Mm-hmm. Um, but, when I went to college, my roommate, I, my, my roommate was also Catholic um, and he didn't go to mass. He was a year older than me. You know, he'd been doing the college thing for a while. And so that, that first Sunday when I went to mass, he didn't go with me. And I am in no way placing any of the blame on him for the fact that I stopped going to mass. However, like there was some reinforcement, you know, in the fact that, yeah. you know, he's my roommate, you know, we're friends. Um, and, and so just like friendship, the important thing is that friendship is will reinforce the decisions you make in life. So then later on when Adam and I were living together, the fact that we both decided, hey, let's let's go to mass on Sunday. How about that? You know, wouldn't that be crazy? And the you know, the fact that we were doing it together also reinforced that decision to come back. And when it like somehow I re- I really don't remember. I think actually, you know, this was back in the day when you would still scan through like radio stations, you know, looking for music, yeah, 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 no. <laughs> you know, like you couldn't just like stream it on your phone or something. Um, we just kind of came across it. And I can remember hearing Catholic answers and being really ignited uh, by a lot of the intellectual arguments, the apologetics. Um, and it, it stemmed back from me to something that I remember my dad saying when I was very young. Um, I have just a few things that I can just picture my dad just saying um, that have really stuck with me. And one of them was, I don't remember where we were, what the context was, but I remember him saying to all of us, to me and my siblings, remember kids, everything that the church teaches is true because Christ is the head of the church, right? The, The church, the Catholic church cannot err in her teachings. And so then when we started listening to Catholic radio, and hearing these apologetics, it 
for some reason that memory came back to me and it just reignited the tiny, 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 tiny flame that I had still burning in my soul, you know, like it was very, very small, very hard to find. But, um, you know, once for that was what kind of got me was those intellectual, the intellectual side of the faith that, Hey, the Catholic church is true and I can prove it to you. Yeah. It's, it's like, yeah. you don't have to like actually wonder about it. There's plenty of wonder and beauty in the church, but not when it comes to the accuracy or, you know, the dependability of the faith and her claims that she makes upon us and the church. So, yeah. uh, you know, that, that for that. me was a stronghold that I could really hold on to. And then it wasn't until years later that I really um, met Christ. You know, I'm, I was uh, a believer in the things that the church taught as I kind of look back on it. Um, it wasn't until I did Exodus 90 that really I feel like I met Christ and kn- mm-hmm. came to know him as a person. Um, just because yep. Exodus 90 revolutionized the way I prayed. It just totally changed my life. Um, so I'll, I'll forever have a debt to Exodus 90 for, for yeah, giving me that, for that incredible I love gift. That. Yeah. And if you don't know what Exodus 90 is, if you're listening, it's just a, it's an incredible uh, commitment that men take in a spiritual journey, if you will, for 90 days to walk through, pilgrim through the, the book of Exodus to find it. Uh, spiritual freedom. And it's an intense 90 day fast uh, combined with intense 90 day prayer. And, and, and most, I think most importantly, also intense brotherhood that you do it together. Yeah. Uh, and so you, you mentioned something that was so beautiful that the, the idea of, yeah, your, your college roommate, well, he wasn't going to mass. So it kind of gave you an excuse not to. And then, uh, but then when you guys decided, let's start going to mass together, I think there's, there's something so profound about the two, right? That like the Lord, he actually sends us off on mission at, in pairs and he never meant for us to be alone. I remember I, I have a common friendship. Um, so Damascus, our ministry was founded um, by Aaron and I, and Aaron have, and I've been good friends for a long, long time as well. We went to middle school together, high school together, probably a little different. I was a year older. So like we weren't like hanging out in middle school, right? We just knew we existed. <laughs> and so, and in high school, we started doing a lot of youth ministry things together. So then we started understanding, oh, okay, not only do you exist, but you <laughs> like, like we started growing a friendship. And um, our senior year in high school, we, uh, well, my senior year, his junior year, we started growing a deeper friendship through doing ministry together and going to youth ministry type stuff together. But then after high school, I remember I had served as a missionary with Nep for a year. He had just graduated. Um, and we're driving in the car one time. And I, it was funny because I was like, uh, almost how, how you described it, like, hey, I want to go to mass. Oh, okay. I'll come with you. Like, it was one of those things. I was like, hey, I think I think I want to be a youth minister. He's like, yeah, I think I want to do that too. And and then we just kind of looked at each other and we're like, hey, should we do that together? And <laughs> uh, and it's wild because that was 20 years ago. And now yeah, the wow. Lord from that conversation, the car where we were just like, Hey, I, I think I want to do this. I, I think I want to do it too. The Lord ordained that friendship to bear abundant fruit right now. Like we're ministering to our ministries, ministering to 20,000 young people this year. And it's just the, the ability to go from that uh, conversation in the car where God said, I want you two to work together to bear fruit for the kingdom. I think there's something so intriguing about that um can you describe that as uh, for you as well you guys you decided together okay we're gonna start going to mass together how did you decide oh we're gonna start catholic radio together or we're gonna start a podcast together how'd that call to to mission get born well you know i think that the lord he knows he's disgruntled every story has a bad story (laughs) well okay he knows me pretty well the lord does and I think he knew that if he just showed me, hey, Dave, this is what I want you to do, I'd have been like, no. All right. So uh, <laughs> he kind of tricked us into doing it. So, you know, a little bit. I, I know God doesn't trick you into doing things, but um, it, the radio station literally. Um, so Adam and I had been living together. He just got married. And then we had this awesome, like, short period of our life where his wife, Haley, was like, I, we were all the three of us living in the same house. For me, this was a huge upgrade, huge, because <laughs> the she was cooking dinner. Done. Yeah, she yeah. was yeah. cooking dinner every day, and it's like, well, this is awesome, you know. Like, 
Um, but then uh, they were expecting their first. And so I kind of was like, all right, well, I guess it's time <laughs> for me to like, you know, be an adult and take care of myself. So I moved out, but I was over there hanging <laughs> out just one day, you know, and I got this email from a guy that I had talked to on the phone once before. So I knew who he was, but I didn't really know him at all. Um, yeah. By the name of Jeff Fennell. And he sent me this email that said, Dave, I have a crazy idea for a new Catholic radio station in Broken Arrow, but you have to call me tonight if we're going to pull this off. Jeff. <laughs> and this it's like the weirdest message. email I'd ever received. It, it's yeah, 9 I'm gonna p.m. Start, I'm going to start trying 9 that. p.m., by the way. Yeah. yeah 9 p.m. So we've got to call tonight if we're going to pull this off. It's and not in 9 o'clock. So I showed Adam. Yeah. He's like, Chick, look at this email. This is ridiculous. And I told him, I don't know what he wants, but I'm sure it's money. And I don't have any. <laughs> so I'm not going to yeah, call him. And Adam said, just call him. Just see what he wants. Yeah, yeah, just see what he wants. And so I said, fine. So I called him. And he just starts going into this, all the stuff about the FCC has this window open and it's closing and we need someone who will incorporate themselves online and all these different things. And then literally the next thing we knew, we had a radio station. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's what happened. And where, where was We this? blacked out for a second. This is in like 2012. Yeah. Okay. So the really cool part about that is, is so it had to be done by that night. We had to incorporate ourselves. We had to fill out all this legal jargon, like you know, all these documents that we have no idea what we're actually filling out. We're like A, B, C, D, A, A, B. You know, we're just like filling it in like, it's, like we're just guess, guessing here. Uh, yeah, yeah, your, your and, eighth grade math test. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A, B, yeah. A, B, you know. <laughs> uh, so we're just like, you know, guessing. Uh, we had to submit the paperwork by midnight. At 11.45, we're like, uh, let's just. We'll just submit it. You know, if if it's not right, if the paperwork's well, we, yeah, not right. We thought we had done it. Right. We thought we had. We were done. All right, let's sit with it. Yeah, here we go. And if the paperwork is not done right, then they reject, they reject it outright. Like, you just don't get it. So you don't was, get a second chance. The thing was, the FCC was giving away all these free radio stations, low-power FM stations. But you had to be able to fill out the paperwork correctly. <laughs> you had to which know is, what you were doing. Which right. is hard. <laughs> right. Like Because you actually have to have, like, an engineering survey done. Luckily, like, these people... This organization who was like reaching out to us, they already had all that stuff done. The stuff that we had to do was really easy, and we still messed it up. We still messed that up. <laughs> uh, so, so we were about to, to the, submit how it. How to get the station? Yeah, so we're about to submit it. It's eleven forty-five. The FCC website crashes. Okay, because <laughs> nice. so many people all over the country we're trying to are submit. all trying to submit applications at the same time. Yeah, and so and so that gives us another couple of days to be able to uh, figure out what we're you know what we're how we're supposed to sign the documents how we're supposed to get it all in we get it filled out the the FCC says uh, grants us the opportunity basically grants us the rights to the frequency yeah and then we had to raise money to get it on air so, so yeah nice. it was uh, it was really pretty crazy later on that guy Jeff he he told me that I was literally the last person that he had a contact information for in the Tulsa area. That he had <laughs> called everybody else, like, and nobody else would do it. And he sent me that email as a last ditch effort. Like, well, you know, I, you know, I'm going to send it to this guy. He's, I'm, he said, I'm sure I'm never going to hear from him. And, you uh -huh. know, I can tell the Holy Spirit I tried, you know, and like, what a, what a testimony. <laughs> like, this is why you have to go to the end, you know, like, you can't stop. Hey. Yeah, it's got to feel great, too, to be uh, the last resort, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> hey, bottom of the barrel here. last uh, basketball, yeah, right. so I guess, there's, uh, I guess there's something good about that. <laughs> but we yeah. just thought it was hilarious. We were, like, walking around telling everybody, like, yeah, you know, we own a radio station. I mean, yeah. Yeah, you can't listen to it. it. I mean, it's not. It's not, not there yet. broadcasting, you, but trust me. Mm -hmm. I own we it. don't have any microphones yet. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So the, uh, so that came from uh, Spur of the Moment. Did it, did it take on flesh? And then where's the podcast come from? The reason I, I, I think this is a valuable story, because I think there, there's something beautiful. So often, people in their friendships, we don't actually step into mission because we – we don't encourage each other or support each other in that. And so we, we stick to ourselves like, oh, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. Oh, it's not going to work. And But when you do it together, there's something about that accountability. There, there's something about the um, like, hey, we're suffering here together through this hardship or we're having this adventure together. The, the togetherness 
makes it possible, right? So what was that journey like, the highs, the lows, the, the launching of the, the Catholic Man Show? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Okay, well, well, you should tell your story about the radio station, like the God answering your prayer. Oh, okay, yeah. So, um, you know, we got going. We started raising money. We had to raise money to buy all this equipment, and that just like happened really easily. Uh, we had to raise thirty five thousand dollars to us. You know, we were like twenty five at the time. Never raised any money. It seemed like, you know, might as well have been a million dollars. But basically yeah. the the very first day we tried to raise money we raised forty thousand dollars and it's like oh well that was pretty easy and so we we got the equipment we got off you know off and running we're broadcasting um you know but adam and i both have day jobs this is just something that like kind of happened to us and that you do at 9 p.m right, right exactly yeah, yeah. on our free time as yeah. we're yeah. raising families and everything else and yeah. meanwhile i had just gotten married right as we were getting everything going and so you know life was developing a lot um and it was, you know, it was a very exciting time, but it was a little bit chaotic. And I remember just getting overwhelmed that, you know, I've got all this stuff. Uh, we're trying to record commercials and I don't know how to do any edit. I don't know how to do audio editing. I like barely yeah. looked. I watched this YouTube video. So we found like a basic way to record stuff. But um, like we had just have no idea what we're doing. Right. Never tried to run a radio <laughs> uh-huh. station before. And so I went to God with this uh, list of demands. It's like, all right, God, this is what I need from you, okay? Because uh, I'm running thin over here. I need, I need you to send us somebody who knows how to edit audio, who is retired, who doesn't need to be paid, and who knows about like radio stuff. Because we have no idea what we're doing. You know, that's a good Gideon's fleece. Yeah, I'll keep yeah. up if you do this. Right. <laughs> right. I yeah. mean, it's like yeah. that's. Yeah. It's like, this is, you know what? I need it. And so literally yeah. a week later, we get an email from this guy. His name is also Jeff, a different Jeff. Uh, oh, this is this is a but, very divine But it's another Jeff. I don't yeah. know if that means anything, but yeah. could be significant. <laughs> um, he sends us this email. It's like, hey, guys, uh, I just joined the church this last Easter. Um, I used to teach radio broadcasting at the local college, and I just retired. Um, and it's like, I saw you guys started a radio station. I just love to volunteer. <laughs> Whatever you guys need, I'm here to help. And it was just like a little bit ridiculous, um, yeah. you know, because he just checked every single box in this like introductory email. So uh, the thing was, we took him out to lunch. Everything was awesome. He was going to be just this just incredible resource for us. And then another week later, he uh, gives us a call or sends us an email that yeah, he just got offered uh, this position at a publishing company, something he'd always like kind of a dream job that he'd always wanted to do. Um because he's kind of a literary guy. And so um, he was going to take that position and he, he wasn't really going to be able to volunteer like he had, like he'd previously thought. And this is really the only time that I've ever had this um, sense of just being very sure of what something meant. Um, but I was praying about it and I just knew like, this is, I don't, I was just, I just absolutely knew that this is why um, this was happening. God was saying, David, I love you. And so I wanted to give you, you you asked me for these things and I wanted to give them to you because I love you. But now I'm going to take them away from you so that you will learn that I'm already giving you everything that you need. You know, Mm -hmm. I love you. Mm -hmm. So I want to answer that prayer, but I love you so much. I also want you to learn to depend on me. Um, And it was just a very overwhelming, it's an incredible, um, it's incredibly important moment in my, in my prayer life as I look back on my own journey. Um, that was a just a moment that I, I just knew God loved me, right? That I had that encounter with him. He radically answered a prayer of mine. Um, and yeah. then at the same time, came in in a, a very unexpected, also kind of radical way and taught me a, an important lesson that um, I rely on to this day a lot. That's so awesome. Yeah. I love yeah. that. I, <clears throat> if, if you're... We need more Catholic entrepreneurs in our church, right? Like just like people who that when you have the inspired idea from the Holy Spirit or from your friend Jeff, uh, that you 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 jump into it. And yeah. I think if there's that, if anyone's watching or listening, and you're like, man, I just 
I've been, I've had these promptings from the Holy Spirit, but I haven't taken action because I don't think I, I know what I'm doing or I don't have all the resources at hand. I think this is a great testimony that none of us actually know what we're doing when we start <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like fatherhood. Who, yeah, who, exactly, knew, yeah. who knew what you were doing in the beginning, but you figure yeah, it out, yeah. you know, and I, it's I, glorious. Yeah, but- I like when my wife and I like when they they left the room that first night after you have your first child. You're like, wait, wait, you're leaving? Like, wait, you're actually you're leaving the baby in the room with us? Like, we yeah. we don't know what we're doing. Yeah. So, or the first yeah, time you, you leave the hospital, doing. you feel like you're stealing something, right? It's yeah. like, yeah. we're just gonna walk out with a baby. <laughs> you're letting us. That's do it. This? Like. You guys didn't even give us an instruction manual. You know? just, yeah. <laughs> you're you're just yeah. going to trust us with this baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, I, the only instruction they really give you is don't shake the baby. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, oh, don't yeah. shake the baby. Nice. And they, like they do want to see you have a car seat, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you have yeah, a car seat. Right. You, you did think that far in advance, right? Yeah. 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 So. But yeah, I think that's such a testament to the Lord wants, and then that dependency on Him is beautiful. Yeah, that like even if you have all the resources at hand, if you're not completely and utterly dependent on Him, you've got nothing, right? Yeah. Um, right. So what is what are some of the fruits you've seen in your podcast? Uh, you're uh, clearly your target audience must be men, and before before if like. We, you got these guys wrote a book with their spouses. This is gonna be a lot of fun. We're gonna, we're gonna talk about this book. You got it right there in front of you, which is pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so we'll jump into that as well. And I'm really excited because it's a, it's uh, this idea of living beyond Sunday, how to make your your home like a domestic church. Like, and so it's gonna be an incredible conversation. But I want to dive a little bit more into the the Catholic Man Show, and then we'll jump into the book. So what was the what was kind of the fruit you've seen from your ministry to men? Yeah, I mean, so we, because we started this radio station, we decided, hey, let's start a podcast for for guys about our age, you know, and and have a a, a show that's geared towards young Catholic guys trying to live their faith, right? Uh, Dave and I, like I said, because we've been best friends forever, we had we had this like, you know, uh, very very good rapport with one another, where we knew, you know, kind of what we're, you know, our, our stories together. And so we decided, let's just start the show. It's based off of a uh, men's group that we had where we would open, review, and enjoy a, a beverage, you know, start off with, you know, a, a drink. And then we would we would kind of jump into a, a conversation. And also no one could tell us no, because we owned the station. Right. So you just started. <laughs> yeah. What are you going to yeah. do? Yeah. Right. So, our, so our show is all geared towards virtue, right? So there's one thing to talk about temperance. There's one thing to talk about, you know, moderation and how, how to live the virtuous life, the good life. It's another thing to show it, right? If you're sitting there on, on camera and you're saying like, you know, you can enjoy a, a, a glass, uh, you know, of whiskey or a glass of wine in its goodness and use it as it, as it should be used. And you can, you can do everything in that way to glorify God. You know, you don't do it in excess, right? Yeah. And so, uh, so we started the show and we really only was good. It was only going to be for Tulsa. It was just going to be for our radio station. But mm-hmm. in 2016, we threw up, threw it up on the podcast. And it turns out that there were a lot of other guys talking about and doing the same things that we were talking and, and doing and, and wanted to learn more about it. And so, um, it was a radio show that was a podcast. Now it's more of like a podcast that's also a radio show. Cause I think, you know, most of our listeners are, are from a, are, you know, a podcast. Um, and so, uh, but we're, we're on, I don't know, 23 different Catholic radio stations and, um, you know, podcasts and all that kind of fun stuff. So we, we just came to realize that, uh, men desire friendship. Uh, a lot of men are lonely. A lot of men think that they're, you know, uh, the devil's game plan that his tactic is to divide and conquer, right? So he wants to divide us. And then he wants to like, make us think that we're the only ones in this fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so we just realized there were a lot of men that were that, that were you know going to battle, and they felt like they were going to battle alone. They felt like they were trying to raise their family in the church alone. Um, and so we just we tried our best to uh, you know point our show towards uh, authentic friendship, the importance of being able to uh, raise a family in the church, the importance of uh, uh, being a good husband, a good father. Uh, living the good life, living the virtuous life, pursuit of virtue, and but then also, you know, having a good time doing it, like enjoying life, you know, being joyful. The, one of the most uh, best ways to evangelize people is to be joyful. You know, like yep. in, in, in Peter th- uh, 3.15, mm-hmm. when he talks about like having this defense ready, you know, for the hope that's within you, 
well, you're presupposing that somebody already knows that you have hope within you. It's like, oh, wait, yeah. <laughs> that person over there is, is living their life differently. There's like something yeah. about him. I'm going to go challenge his worldviews. And then yep. you have this defense ready to go. But the first initial spot is is being able to have a hope within you, to be something that, that sets you apart from everybody else. And so also the, being incredibly handsome helps. <laughs> yeah. And that's yeah, that's I mean, why I'm so effective. I mean, like, especially if I'm just being, especially I'm just being humble ministry. about it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, uh, so anyway, that, so, that, 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 that's kind of like you know that's kind of like uh, the the origin of I guess of the Catholic Man Show and, and yeah. but we have seen so many. I mean, it's just a it's an incredible privilege to be able to do this kind of thing. Um, we get emails, messages all the time, just from guys saying, "Hey, thank you for the show." Uh, some some of their stories are just tragic, but you know they it's it's incredible that okay, just our our little show. I mean, it's just, we're just doing a podcast. We're, I mean, Adam and I would be getting together anyway. We just kind of put microphones in front of us and hit a record button. Um, yeah, so, you know, yeah. it's not like we're doing anything heroic, you know, yeah. um, but uh, it's, it, it just is an, it's an incredible honor to get these messages from people saying, you know, the difference mm -hmm. that it's made for them or just the encouragement to, you know, reach out to other men in their community. Um, we've got, uh, we started kind of, try to get together these little groups all over the country. Like, Oh, Hey, there's a lot of people in Phoenix. Let's try to connect them all so they can, you know, have, have a men's group down there. And, um, we were able to do that. A couple guys realized, Hey, we live on the same street. And now they're like, <laughs> they're like godparents of their other kid, you know, the kids for this other thing, you know, like now, you know, so it's mm -hmm. a lot of really great stuff. We have yeah. a lot of those stories. Uh, yeah. praise God. Yeah, that's amazing. It is. We just, we had a, a men's retreat out here at uh, Damascus this um, past weekend. About two hundred men gathered, and it was it was incredible. I mean, it, we did all the great, fun, manly things like uh, we had big like hog roast and had tons yeah. of whiskey and cigars, all the all the fun stuff. But um, it, it 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 just it's amazing that when I, I was a little late, I had a ministry up in Cleveland, so I was like coming down on Saturday, uh, halfway through the retreat. When I showed up in the room, uh, just to see all these guys, uh, just in laughter and fellowship and camaraderie, and uh, just the, I just heard the Lord say, "This is good," you know, mm -hmm. and. I, I, as you said, um, David, the, the guys are just, they, they're lonely. And yeah. I think a lot of times that loneliness stems from the lack of going after it, right? Like that lack of having that conversation with the guy next to you and say, Hey, I, I think I want to go to mass, right? Like, mm, cause yeah. imagine if you didn't say that to each other, then the, and the other one didn't say, I want to go too." like, it's that first conversation of like, Hey, I, I, I think I want to be a youth minister. <clears throat> hey, I think I want to also, and it's that saying those words of like to another guy to say, Hey, I, I want a men's group. Great. I want one too. Or I, I think we should do this for our parish, or I think we should do this for our city. Like, and, and voicing what you believe God wants from you, I think activates that friendship in a, in a special way. Um, because it, it allows two guys or a group of guys, a band of brothers to get behind a common purpose. And so often that is, you know, I think that's uh, even this idea of beyond Damascus, like it, a faith that is inward facing alone is not uh, a man was made to be expressive and to give himself uh, to another. And so that need to go beyond just the experience I've had to do something with that experience to give it to another. So why'd you guys yeah. choose to write this book, uh, Living Beyond Sunday, Making Your Home a Holy Place? What, what was the, the call there? <laughs> well, uh, this is another example of God tricking us into doing something. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we, once again, not that he tricks people. Right. But, yeah. Right. Um, so we wrote a couple articles for uh, our local diocesan magazine. That in 2020, they asked us to write a couple articles about the domestic church, domestic life. And in, on one of our podcasts, we were kind of talking about about it, about doing that. And then um, I, one of the people who are from Ascension Press, they were they listened to it and they said, "Hey, we'd love you know for you to make this a book." And we were like, "Okay, cool. We've already written the articles. Like you know, so you can take these articles and you can." <laughs> 
You can make it sure, a book. Yeah, yeah. You guys can turn it into a book. No and problem. we thought we were like, you know, sending over a finished copy, like basically, here you go. This now, now make it a book. We had we didn't know anything about writing a book. It's our first. Uh, time. It was our first time, <laughs> yeah. and uh, obviously, as you as you well know, that uh, that's not the case. There's a lot of revisions. There was chapters scrapped and rewritten, and uh, you know, there's a lot of different things that were involved. So it was a it was a a, a process, but um, uh, we. We wrote it and we wrote it with our wives. So it's it's a very small book. It's for young Catholic families who are, you know, th- like wanting to grow the domestic church, but maybe don't know how, don't know the practical steps. Uh, it's a very short book. So, you know, because we know families are very uh, busy they're They don't have a lot of time, a lot of times to, to sit down and read. So it's like 100 pages and it's written by four authors. It took four guys, four people to write 100 pages. So yeah. <laughs> we understand how, how hard it is you know, and how busy you are in the, uh, you know, in the domestic church life. Uh, and so uh, we try our best to just uh, distill like the practical, here's how you, you live a life um, uh, in, in your home. So, yeah. Okay. So my wife and I, we wrote a, um, a book together as well. It's uh, three secrets to holiness and marriage. It's a, a, a self-guided retreat for married couples. And, it was fun because in writing the book together, um, yeah, and I'm, I'm sure you guys, maybe you've given talks before with your spouse as well. It's funny because everyone's just always like, oh, you're a couple. So you can, of course, give a talk together, right? But we both preach all the time. And when we're, we're usually when we have the microphone in our hand, we have the microphone in our hand. And so it's, right. all, it's actually very challenging for us to give a talk together. And it takes a lot more prep to give a talk together. And it takes a lot more it took a lot more conversation to write a book together than, uh, than, than to do it by yourself. What were some of the fun ways that your guys' personalities? I'm sure like if, if Amber and I and Aaron and Monica, if we tried to write a book together, I, I can only imagine what that process would be like. What, how was the process of figuring out like, who's going to write this? What are you going to do? And, and like, did, yeah. what was that like? You're yeah, still so, married. Yeah, we're, we're all still married, <laughs> so and we're all still it was friends. Good, it, it, it looks like there was some fruit that came from it. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, you know, it kind of reminded me, my, my wife and I, we do uh, Catholic Engage Encounter retreats, and when we were writing our talks for that, those retreats, you know, you're talking about, oh, here's some of, like, the, you know, like, bad, you know, like, you, you, here's some examples in our marriage of things we did wrong. And like, well, we got in this big fight one time. It's like, well, actually writing those talks was actually one of the hardest things we ever did, <laughs> yeah. you know, but um, so for writing the book, what we did, we laid it out. I think uh, one good thing we did was in the beginning, we kind of like took a big picture view. It's like, okay, we want to talk about marriage. We want to talk about fatherhood and motherhood and, you know, all these different chapters. And so um, we just kind of divided it up. Uh, very few of the chapters were written by all four of us. Um, so like the wives that Haley and, and Pamela, they got together and wrote the chapter on motherhood. Adam and I wrote the chapter on fatherhood. Um, my wife and I wrote the one on marriage. You guys wrote the one on language mm-hmm. in the home. And so we um, kind of divided it up according to our our strengths. Um and, you know, just talking because, you, you know, like sometimes you just one of you is better at discussing a certain thing. Um, and so it's like, Hey, well, let, let's let them write that chapter. And it, it worked out really well. Actually, the hardest part wasn't the writing. It was the editing because then we're all sitting here reviewing this, the manuscript of the book. Um, and you know, you come across something and you think, ah, I'd like to make, I'd like to change this, but honestly, you have no idea who wrote it. And so, you know, <laughs> it's, it's like, well, are they really wedded to this exact analogy or, you know, like. Mm-hmm. Can I modify it? Are we still going to be friends if I change this <laughs> yeah, chapter? You know? yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, that's fun. But, uh, you know, it it did take it went a little slower just because it was harder to communicate between all four of us sometimes. But uh, it was really not that bad in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's awesome. I think that's uh, it's actually that was probably such a fruitful process, even though it was annoying. <laughs> right. But the, yeah, uh, to dive in like that. Um, okay. So what if it, for each of you, what in the book, what are you most excited for? Right. Like, so in writing, there's always a little, like this one message that you're just like, man, I want people to know this. This is what the Lord planted on my heart about mm. this message. And I want you to have it. What is that for you? <clears throat> 
Well, I mean, so there's several on on there. I mean, obviously, we start with marriage because marriage is the, is the nucleus of the family, right? You know, so like we you obviously want to uh, love your kids and things, but your vocation is to your spouse, and then you know the kids uh, are the fruit of the marriage, right? And so, uh, in order to be a good husband, in order to be a good spouse, you have to have an you know, a prayer life. You have to have a relationship with Christ. You can't give what you don't have, and so uh, you know, in order to I, a lot of men will ask me like, Hey, how do I start this, this Catholic ministry? Or how do I, you know, how do I really start taking my faith seriously in the home and, and showcase them, you know, that, uh, our faith means something. And I said, well, what is your prayer life? Like how ordered yeah. is your prayer life? Uh, because that's going to be, that's going to be the most important. Like before you can start a ministry, before you start, you know, trying to take things very, you know, seriously within your home, you need to have an ordered prayer life. You need to have a relationship with Christ. Uh, that has to be the foundation. Uh, and so like praying with your wife is extremely important. Praying with your family is extremely important. Um, those kind of things. But ultimately, it, it, like the the family is oriented so that we can go out and evangelize, right? And so uh, I'll let you kind of speak on, on, on that aspect. Okay, yeah. So one of, my, one of my favorite things, you know, like there's a lot of things you don't really, th- things that are so ordinary in life. Many times you don't actually stop and ponder them because they seem so ordinary. Um, And the family is one of those things, you know, that I I doubt very many people have sat there and really pondered the the family, its essence. And, you know, like, (laughs) what is the end of the family? You know, uh, and I I hadn't until, you know, we were starting to write all this this stuff. And um, one of the things that I realized is that the family is not oriented towards itself, that um, the family by itself, it's not enough for itself. Okay. Um, you know, I have, so I have five kids, I have four daughters. Presumably some of them are going to get married someday. Well, I have a, that means I have a vested interest in making sure that they're the community that I'm growing and raising these children in is also going to be providing eligible men to marry them, right? <laughs> I can't just sit here and like, kind of hide within my family and try to like do all things well here because that's not enough. Um, and so what you see is that when the, the domestic church, when it's ordered properly, when um, you, know, you have a house where the, the relationship between the parents, you know, the husband and wife is the primary relationship in the house, when the children fall into place, when they're, you know, there's, a, a, you know, at least a moderate level of discipline, mm-hmm. um, you know, certainly depending on the ages of your children. Um, and, and you just you have a general sense of order that that allows a flourishing such that you are now able to reach out to others and say, let me invite you into what we have. Come and share the goods that we have discovered and the goods that we have grown. Um, come in and share these goods with us. And we call that the virtue of hospitality. Um, you know, that's a, the, the nature of hospitality is, you know, something that I think probably a lot of people have not sat and pondered, but hospitality is the virtue that creates community. Without the virtue of hospitality within the domestic church, all you have are families that are essentially islands living next to each other. They're in close proximity, you know, sort of like you know, people in New York City, you know, they might have, you know, a million people all within a square mile, but they don't know each other. Um, and so it's that virtue of hospitality that that we have to strive towards as a as a family. And because um, that really is the end that the family, it's it's a little bit ironic that the family is this exclusive institution, right? That it's it that that's what it is. It's exclusive. This is the family. And no, you're not part of this family. You're part of your own family. But it's because it's out of exclusivity, it actually is oriented outwards towards inclusivity, which is, um, you know, just one of the many paradoxes of, of the faith. But that's yeah. that's love- one of the things I'm very excited about. Uh, yeah. No, that's so good. I, 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 I think that's super rich in the sense that the family, it, it, it's amazing that love bears fruit. And love welcomes others into it, right? And that is such a representation of divine love. The divine love bears fruitfulness and divine love is craving that we welcome people into it. And there is this temptation in the modern era, I would say, to to not welcome people into our family, right? To like 
really safeguard family uh, um, or to safeguard our kids from other people. And uh, but it's it's love welcomes people in, and, and of course in a wise and prudent way. Uh, but love welcomes people in it, and it's the core way to evangelize those families to let them see, oh, this is what. And I I, mm-hmm. I I love the phrase domestic church because many of your neighbors, many of your friends may never go to church with you, but they'll enter into your church, right? Like they they won't enter into right. the parish church that they may have all kinds of images and fears or baggage that they're not going to go back to church initially, but they very well, no matter what, will enter into your domestic church and there they'll find an altar of sacrifice, which is your very life yeah. towards husband and wife. They'll find the the, the virtues. They'll find a, a family of prayer. And that's such an easy way to start that evangelization process. I also think so interesting, uh, and I don't know if I've pondered this enough, but the fact that, as you said, the family isn't into itself, but it it, it, it goes outward. The fact that children, the fruitfulness of marriage it's oriented towards deployment. It's oriented towards sending them forth. And there's something about that that's so profound that I bring something so, like our love brings something so powerful, so significant, so um, uh, holy, and yet our job is to release them. And um, Mm -hmm. wow, what, what we could learn as a church from that in the way we do ministry. Like so often our ministry is just like, well, I'm bringing people in. I just want to make sure I have a bunch of followers. And it's like, okay, do I got enough followers or enough Bible study members, enough, enough people coming to this church event? And we actually never prepare them for deployment. And so we have these spiritual sons and daughters the Lord's given to us in ministry, but they're, we're not raising them up to go out and to bear families of their own, to bear fruit of their own. And uh, it, it be, because of that, the church, our ministries often die. They perish because we're not raising people up to send them forth. And that model that Jesus, he, he didn't just call followers, he equipped leaders. That, that model is written in the very fabric of the family to, to raise people for deployment. Um, yeah. David, when, when you're, when you are thinking about your favorite chapter in the book or the favorite virtue, because your guys' book lays out these different virtues, and which one really resonates the most with you? Uh, which one resonates? I think you said which one resonates with you. Is that what, is that what you said? Yeah, resonates the most. Yep. Yeah, so I uh, I have one. Uh, I wrote a chapter on here in uh, – there's two that I, that we wrote that I that really kind of stuck out with me that I had to really think about. One was uh, the language of uh, of the home, and then also uh, holy leisure and what those what those two things are. Uh, you know, it's really it's really cool. Whenever I uh, was outside, I was watching my boys play football, right? And they're out there playing, and they're talking about uh, what play they're going to run, if they're going to go for it on fourth down, what team they're going to be, uh, who's you know, uh, if there's overtime, who gets to flip the coin like they were they were using all this terminology uh about you know playing football and uh if he's if they're wanting to you know be football players someday and they want to play under friday night lights you know and, and play football they need to learn the language of football right they need to learn the terminology the philosophy of football but what are we doing as husbands and fathers teaching our children how to be learn the language of saints learn the language of holiness you know that those are the kind of things that I think we should we should be thinking about. And because if you use words, the words become the goal, right? So if you if you are, are intentional about the words that you use, if you use virtuous words and you use the words to where they understand what they are, like that was very generous of you instead of you did a good job, or oh Luke, you were very patient with your brother instead of that was just a, a you know thank you for not yelling. You know those kind of things. Uh, it's very important that they understand what the lang- like these these virtuous words. So that they become the goal themselves, uh, and so in the in the liturgy we all have uh, responses. We all have the language down, you know, where we're in mass. If this, uh, you know, the priest says, "The Lord be with you," and you say, "And, and with, with your, your spirit. spirit," you know. So we have all these these cadences. We have all this uh, uh, this language within the within within the church. Well, how do we implement that into our domestic church? Like, what is the language within the domestic church, and is it uh, you, is our language used to flourish? 
uh, and to be virtuous and to be holy? Or is it uh, not the same thing um, as you see in mass? So, yeah, and hmm. I think probably uh, the chapter I think is most interesting um, or one of the, one of one of my favorite ones anyway is uh, one of the chapters where we actually go through the the rooms of the house themselves um, and just talk about the actual the actual building you the house that you live in um, and, and how each room has a lesson um, for what you know what we see we see Christ on the cross um, and it I think is good to ponder the way you have your own house set up. Uh, for instance, I'm a big proponent of not having a television in the living room um, because the living room is the best room because it's the only room in the house that's not oriented towards a biological need of human life. Every other room is to serve one of those biological necessities. The living room is the only room that's oriented towards the person. It's a room that says it's you are so good, you know, that, you know, the other members of the family that we want a room where we all we do is be together. We're not doing anything in the fa in the living room other than just living with each other. Right. That it's the that this idea of, you know, face to face life is taking place in the living room. And so when you have a television in there, um, I'm not critiquing people who have televisions. I know that's just about everybody. Um, but uh, it, it just kind of tends to change the way the room is set up, right? They have all of a sudden the couch instead of like facing maybe the other couch in the room or the fireplace. Now it's, you know, pointed towards the television and that's okay. But, um, you know, if you wanted, if, if you're looking for extra credit, you know, in the, uh, in the domestic church game, um, try to have at least a living room that doesn't have a television in it. You know, if you can have television room and then a separate living room, I know that's kind of asking a lot. <laughs> it's like, how much square foot do I need, yeah. you know, to pull this all off? <laughs> uh, but um, that, I, I think awesome. that's a really interesting chapter in there. Yeah. Yeah. The So I think a lot of um, dialogue in the church is about individual <clears throat> not individual, but like helping us as parents to raise our kids to be saints, right? You guys have mentioned that and to raise them to be holy, to raise them in prayer, to raise them in virtue. Um, what, do, what are your guys' thoughts or, or how are you and your spouse's intentional on raising your children for mission in the church? Uh, a faith that is freely given away to others uh, and builds the church. Um, what, what have you found works well and instilling a call to evangelization or a call to service or a call to, to, to live the missional call of the church in your children's lives. Yeah. So I, I think the first thing to do is, is, uh, have them develop habits, right? <laughs> All of our kids are still pretty young. My oldest is nine. Uh, and that works the way down to, uh, we have a new, we have a, a new baby that'll be born in, in February. Um, which is awesome. So that, and that'll be number five, but all like right now, our whole focus is to, is to develop habits, right? So I want them to have a relationship with our Lord. I want them to have a prayer life. And so when my boys were confirmed and they, you know, they were baptized and they received a first Holy communion and confirmation. Um, I, I told them, I said like, now is the time that we're, we're going to start taking prayer life more seriously. Uh, and so, and to be able to give uh, the Holy spirit, uh, the room to work, you know, within you and, and to be able to, uh, you know, uh, fall deeper in love with our Lord. So every morning they're supposed, they're supposed to, uh, start the day off with five minutes of prayer by themselves. Uh, and like, it's not a lot, it's not, you know, a whole lot of, uh, you know, prayer time or anything like that. And they can do however, whatever prayer they want. They want to do the rosary. They want to do the divine mercy chaplet. They want to just sit and think about Jesus. That's, that's fine. Mm -hmm. I just want them to develop this prayer life. Uh, and then the ones that are younger, I want them to develop the habits of silence, right? Which is very counterintuitive. I know they're like, children are not silent. It's very hard <laughs> to keep them silent. Um, it, especially you have a boys. selfish motivation in this desire. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the language of God, as, as Cardinal Sarah says, you know, the language <laughs> of God is silence, you know? And so, yes. uh, I, I realized at, at one point in time that, uh, when they go to mass, I want I want to set my kids up for success. If I take them to mass and they've never been quiet at home, 
I'm not giving them a, a, you know, a, an environment to succeed in being quiet because they never have done it. And I shouldn't expect them to just now learn how to do something without ever doing it, uh, especially yeah. on the fly. And so I want to develop this culture uh, and this, uh, this habit of silence so that it, in the home so that they can exercise that habit in mass. And so what does that mean? I mean, that means, you know, whether that be for your two-year-old or, I mean, a three, four, five-year-old, you know, maybe we're only spending three minutes in silence. You can play with Legos, you can do whatever, but no talking. Uh, and then that way they understand, like, when they're supposed to talk, when they're not supposed to talk. You know, they're developing, developing these habits to where whenever they get old enough uh, to understand more of the faith test, as fathers were supposed to establish, like kind of what you're talking about, Dan, like we want to establish our children so that they can go be missionaries, they can go create uh, disciples, right? And, and that they don't just stay under our house forever. Uh, we want them to go out and be be saints. And so I want to, uh, you know, as a father, I want to instill these habits right now when they're young so that when they face the world, uh, they have these habits to, to, to rely on, these virtues to, to rely on. Yeah, yeah and for awesome. me, exactly. like the thing I'm trying to really focus on passing on to my kids is just is a life of prayer. Um, you know, I already mentioned that we did, I did Exodus 90. Um, and just the impact that that had on me, it was that the thing that really changed my life was that, uh, minimum, one of the things, the disciplines is you have to have a minimum of 20 minutes of silent contemplative prayer every day. And I realized when I started doing that, that, you know, um, I was like, had a lot of great intentions uh, behind my prayer life up until this point, you know, I was saying all these prayers every day and, had a fairly well-structured prayer life, but it, I was saying all these prayers and I wasn't actually spending much time in prayer, right? Just sitting there, being with Christ, listening, um, you know, just wanting to really um, get to know him. Uh, and so that was just such a treasure that I had discovered. Um, and I was thinking about how do I pass this on to my kids? And so um, as I was thinking that, the testimony of St. John Paul II really came back to me because my oldest at the time was five. Um, and hearing St. John Paul II uh, give his testimony about how the, the first witness to the faith he ever encountered was his own father kneeling at prayer every day. And so I decided, hey, I'm going to be saying these prayers. You know, it's like spending this, you know, new, uh, you know, my new prayer routine in the morning. I'm getting up, you know, before them. I might as well, like, if I can do it in such a way that they'll see me, I'm not praying just so that my kids will see me praying. But, um, if I'm, you know, if I am going to be praying, I want them to know, right? Like I want yeah. my children to know that their father is a, is a man of prayer and that when they think about what a man is, they think about, well, a man prays because I'm going to be that man, you know, that is, that forms that identity for them about, about masculinity. And, and honestly, that is what a man is. A man does pray um, because he's, he recognizes he's the son of God, right? And that we have, you know, out of, we're the priests of our family, right? So that we need to be offering up all these prayers and sacrifices on their behalf every single day. Um, and so that's really important to me. And, you know, how do you pass on? I can't pass on my prayer life. I can't give my kids my prayer life. But that is really the most important thing to me. At the end of the day, I don't actually care if they can do math because um, you can go to heaven without knowing how to do math. Uh, but I don't know if you can get to heaven without praying. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that's possible. But, you know, if I'm trying to raise my kids in the church, but they don't know how to pray, that's going to be a big, big problem for them. Yeah. So I really, yeah. uh, you know, that's what I'm really focused on. Adam and I are both very blessed that we're homeschooling our kids. Uh, because you just have a lot more opportunity to form them in these kinds of ways. Um, it, it is a lot harder, right? So it takes a lot more effort to have a well-ordered domestic church when you are doing, you know, trying to actually do the formal education as well. But um, it really, at the end of the day, is just a, a huge blessing. Um, yeah. So we do things, well, you know, I... like in addition to those, like making sure to pray the Angelus, you know, at noon every day. Um you know, just like have more rituals, more habits like Adam was talking about so that, hey, just prayer is something we do, right? That's just yeah. the way life is. Well, that's one of the, like, uh, we homeschool as well. And I found, you know, the, the the natural conversation that moms and dads can often have with their kids can be such a gift that like 
kids going through a struggle at school. Well, now I can talk to my kid about how to be a witness to their, their, their peer friends and, or kids, you know, kid comes home and so-and-so is doing this. That's bad. Well, now I can talk to my kids about how to evangelize. And, and sometimes you don't have those opportunities when you are um, homeschooling. And so the intentionality is so critical as well of like, man, okay. So we're going to, I, I need to make sure that, I'm helping prepare them to have conversations with people to lead others to Christ. Or how do you invite someone to youth yeah. group? How do you, how do you share someone? You know, you went to this retreat this weekend, or you, how do you share your experience with your friends so that your friends who didn't go to that retreat are hearing a witness of Christ or even simple things for us too, of just like, okay, yes, the prayer is being established. The virtue is being established, but I want their hearts to be formed into God's heart. And sometimes you know, the heart gets formed through mission that we, we live in kind of a rough, like our neighborhood is is pretty safe, somewhat safe. And, uh, um, but we're intentional where we live because not the gas stations aren't the safest place in the world. Not like the streets, like uh, a mile down the road, aren't the safest place in the world. And, you know, uh, my kids will say, why do you always drive this way? Like the highways that way. And you're going this way. I'm like, yeah, because I want you to see the brokenness and the poverty and the struggle. And uh, so that their hearts are being formed to, to not to ignore the, 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 the darkness in the world. So that they're ready for it. And, and then yeah. to start accompanying them into that missional life. Brothers, what is the, the name of your book? It's living beyond Sunday, making your home a holy place. So you can get it at Ascension press. Um, and uh, before we close today, is there anything else you'd like to share about uh, your podcast or your book? No, I mean, you can go check it out if you'd like to on the thecatholicmanshow.com. Uh, it's a weekly podcast. We started in 2016, so we have you know well over 300 episodes uh, on there. So you can go check it out, thecatholicmanshow.com. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. You've been listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. And I've just been really blessed by this conversation with Adam and David. Thank you for your friendship and the way that that friendship has led to a life of mission, the way... Uh, your missional, both uh, in in your extracurricular activities, in your home, and in your lives. And so thank you guys. Join us next week on Beyond Damascus, where Encounter Meets Mission. God bless.